Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. The opening hymn, I really want to commend uh, the second verse to you uh, as a prayer this week. It is a very powerful, powerful prayer, and I think really articulates the ministry of John the Baptist. Last week, we took a brief pause from Advent and did a cannonball right into Christmas as we celebrated roughly our 130th candlelight over at St. George's. And I want to say thanks to all of you for inviting your friends and and, uh, bringing people. It was a great, great service. We almost hit a thousand people. And uh, so it was wonderful. And thanks to all of you. However, now it's time to get back to Advent. We're in Advent 3. And uh, John the Baptist is in our reading, so you still know that it's Advent. And in the midst of all of the holiday cheer, John the Baptist kind of functions as a hard and stale fruitcake in the midst of the world's melikalikimaka. He brings the heat. John the Baptist is the definition of prophetic. He wears camel hair and leather, but not in a J-press sense. He, um, that was supposed to be really funny, but anyway... um, (laughs) Uh, But uh, he is forthright, he's painfully truthful, and he brings a word of judgment. I mean, listen to this word. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Happy Advent. And, um, and here uh, we read an important theme in the preaching of John the Baptist and an important theme in uh, the New Testament. Uh, we read about the difference between work versus fruit. You see, in our culture and our society, we wrongly believe that the deed defines the doer. Or in John's parlance, we wrongly believe that the fruit determines the tree. If a person is bearing, is doing good works, then he must be a good person. If a person is bearing good fruit, then God must be pleased with that person. And this is wrong. And the person, interestingly enough, who really began to upend my thinking uh, on this whole thing was the atheist Richard Dawkins. I heard him uh, on a YouTube video once debating another Christian, and he posed the question, if you do good works out of fear of punishment or seeking reward from God, is it really a good work? Hmm. If you give your coat to someone who's cold and in need because you think God will be pleased with you and will reward you at the end of the day, it may be right thing to do, but is that really an act of love for your neighbor? I know a colleague... And and Christians think this way. I remember when we had the food pantry here, and there was a person who was always here on Thursday hanging out, bags of groceries. And I remember one time I was like, that is so amazing. I just, I really appreciate you being here Thursday after Thursday after Thursday. And she said, well, you know, I got a lot to work off. You know, um, I was like, and you think the food pantry will help? But anyway, um, I also, I had a colleague, and he's a priest in the Midwest, and he and his family desperately needed a real vacation to get out. They were taking a small parish 
I didn't have a lot. And he and his family really needed a vacation. And someone in his parish, and I think this is funny, but uh, his, someone in his parish came up to him and said, we would love for you uh, to use, uh, we would love for you to use our amazing summer home on the shores of Lake Michigan. And uh, my friend and his family jumped right at the opportunity and spent uh, three weeks there. It was wonderful. And uh, they spent three weeks there and uh, refreshed and rested. They came back to the parish. And as my friend was gratefully returning the keys to the house and expressing his gratitude, the parishioner said, not a problem, not a problem, because ultimately it's about treasures in heaven and I'm going to hold God to it. But I ask you, I ask you, was that a good work? Was that a fruit? Dawkins and the Bible actually agree on this point. No. And why? Because it's transactional. It's actually deeply and subconsciously self-centered and ultimately a self-justifying act. And this is my first point. John's message, John the Baptist's message was countercultural then as it is today. John's message is essentially when it comes to God, your good works will get you absolutely nowhere. As the prophet who prepares the people to receive Jesus, John's message is very specific and it's a very, very old message, which is applicable to you and me. Repent. Repent of your sins. Repent of your notions of who God is and who you are, which leads you to believe that you can somehow justify yourself through your works and ultimately put God in your debt. That's John's message. Repent of that. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire and the axe is already laid to the root. Repent. But what is repentance? Well, repentance, and I demonstrated my lack of math skills in the previous service. I said repentance is turning 90 degrees, but it's actually turning 180 degrees. from works to fruit. It's turning 180 degrees from evil to good, from darkness to light, from wickedness to holiness. To give it your backside. Luke tells us that the crowd cries out under his preaching and it's a standard cry when one only hears the law alone. Well then what then should we do? And notice, John doesn't give them some sort of abstract response. John gives them specifics of what the fruit of repentance looks like. You share your clothing with the one who has none. You give some food to the one who has none. You do your job in this world with honesty and integrity. We over-spiritualize everything, don't we? We think for something to be holy, uh, it's got to be otherworldly. You know, it's got to be monks dressed in robes, quoting and singing ancient texts. 
For something to be holy, it's got to be real fasting, long, quiet times that begin maybe at four in the morning, and walking labyrinths. And nothing could be further from the truth. This is my second point. According to John, fruit worthy of repentance, goodness, light, holiness in this age, it looks pretty ordinary. It means do your job, your God-given vocation, whatever that may be. Do it with honesty and with integrity, with uprightness. Think of your neighbor in this life, especially the ones who are the least amongst you. And to quote Richard Dawkins, and whoever would thought that would happen in this pulpit, uh, be good for goodness sake. And here's why. Our neighbor needs us good, not God. We are good for goodness sake Because as Christians, we don't dare hold up one good work before God to impress him. For John comes back around with another word of condemnation. You know, they say, what must we do? And he lays these things out and people think they can breathe. And in the real prophetic tradition, he pulls them right back under the water. With another word of condemnation. He says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the granary. But the chaff will burn with an unquenchable fire. And as the one who prepares the way of the Lord, John the Baptist functions as the law of God personified. And before the law, which don't forget demands total perfection, It's not do your best and God will do the rest. It is be perfect as I am perfect. How's that working for you? You know, before the law, which demands perfection, it can only accuse. The only thing you find in the law is the axe laid to the root. For when properly understood, this is how the law works. As Augustine said, siembra accusa, it's always accusing, and it heaps demands on you and threatens you. And if you are looking for an attaboy, more importantly though, if you are looking for comfort, if you're looking for mercy, if you are looking for forgiveness, John and the law of God is not the place. If you want comfort, if you want mercy, if you want forgiveness, and we all do, for as St. Brian Wilson once sang, love and mercy is what you need tonight. Love and mercy to you and your friends tonight. If you want those things, you look to the one whom John prepares the way for. And to prepare the way of the Lord is to literally kill your righteousness so that you might rely upon Jesus and his righteousness alone. The one whom the axe of God's judgment has already fallen upon. If you want comfort, if you want mercy, if you want forgiveness, 
you look to Jesus, who, as St. Paul says, his cursed tree of the cross has now become the tree of salvation. You look to Jesus, the one who was consumed by the fire of God's wrath and judgment for you, and in whom now that fire of God has become a a burning passion to save you and declare you his children. If you want comfort, if you want mercy, if you want forgiveness, you look to Jesus, the one whose good works, whose good fruit, which are the only thing pleasing in the sight of the Lord, become all yours by grace, through faith. And now you begin to understand how the gospel works in our lives. Repent in a John the Baptist sense, repent in a New Testament sense, is the recognition that you are nothing and you have nothing to offer God, but Christ has everything and he gives everything to you. So repentance then isn't a bad word. Repentance is actually a good word because you begin to see that it is God using the law in your life to get you out of the way and to prepare the way for you to welcome Jesus into your life with all of his saving benefits. And you begin to realize that repentance isn't just some one one thing. It becomes the entire Christian life. And this is my third point. The gospel says, the New Testament says, the doer defines the deed. The tree determines the fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, make the tree good and the fruit will be good also. And where there is repentance, good fruit always follows. And I see a whole lot of good fruit in this church. But where there is repentance, where people recognize their sinfulness and confess it, that is where hearts are softened. That is where hearts are turned to their only salvation, Jesus and his righteousness. And in a moment, we'll confess our sins. Ben will deliver absolution. And with the eyes of faith, we will see that the way has been made straight, a level highway down this aisle, where our Lord will once again meet us gathered around this altar in the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood, the gifts of the new creation, the new covenant that say that Jesus is for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's, in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.